If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Y'all's the hate on all of my moves, but now niggas on it. They used to bait me on me and my views, but now niggas on it. I used to tell them I had me a show, but now niggas on it. Her homies on it. Your homies on it. Y'all's the hate on all of my moves, but now niggas on it. They used to bait me on me and my views, but now niggas on it. I used to tell them I had me a show, but now niggas on it. Her homies on it. Your homies on it. What up, what up, people? We are back on the Realist Podcast Sovereign. Today we have a special guest joining us. Today's guest is a lifelong Philadelphian, born and raised in West Philadelphia, and educated at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. He has dedicated his life to public service ever since his youth. After serving almost 15 years in Philadelphia City Council, he was elected the 98th mayor in his hometown of Philadelphia in November of 2007 and took office in January 2008. During his tenure as mayor, he oversaw record lows in crime, improved the city's green infrastructure, and wore many different hats that included president of the United States Conference of Mayors and president of Pennsylvania Municipal League. He is one of the most prominent and memorable mayors in the history of Philadelphia. TRP Nation, I need you to give us a super duper warm welcome for Michael A. Nutter. Hey, thank you, man. You see the playback. It's going to be playing. Hey, you see gonna, it, you'll be able to hear it. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> Uh, we, we, this is something that uh, has been in the works for a few months. Yeah. Um, we actually had time to like, you know, we ran into each other in yeah. a couple different places yep. and, you know, hung out and got to know each other. And I want to yeah. give credit to the person that put all this together, uh, Mr. Kevin Harton Jr., who's the uh, Kevin. number one lawyer in Philadelphia and the official legal counsel for, for TRPE. There you go. Uh, he, he made the connection and, uh, you know, stayed on it and, you yeah. uh, even when you ran into Matt recently, you remember, like, yo, you got, don't you got a radio show or something? You got a radio show or something? I'm supposed, I'm supposed to do your show. Right. I know I'm supposed to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, got, I got spun around a little bit. And, uh, and, we, and we got it done. So we want to uh, really, really thank you. We said we appreciate your time. No, I know pleasure. you're an extremely busy guy. Uh. Uh, moving and shaking, and um, this is this is a blessing for us. So thank you. No, I, I'm very appreciative, and uh, you know, I when I read up about you guys, um, I'm honored uh, to uh, to be on this. But I want to commend you, um, just with the with the title, right? Uh, the realest podcast ever. <laughs> uh, I said, damn, I think I need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. Real? <laughs> <laughs> I could be real. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but I think I'm going to do this, John. So, you know. Uh, like I alluded to, uh, you're a West Philly guy. Yeah. Um, you know, went to uh, St. Joe's Prep, right? Yep. Uh, for anybody that's not super familiar with you or maybe some yeah. of the younger people in our audience, what is the 152nd elevator pitch on who Michael Nutter is as it relates to, like, your upbringing, school history, and your Philly yeah. roots? Well, I was thinking about that. It was interesting. The, the, the 152nd, I had to take a moment and say, okay, all right, it's two and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, let me think about this. You know, there's nothing particularly special I think about my story. Um, growing up, sixties and seventies in West Philly, um, you know, tough times, gang war activity, a bunch of things. But yeah. it was a real community. Um, this is way back in the day where every adult on the block could tell any child to stop doing something or right. be over there, go over there. Um, unified community. Saturday morning, uh, everybody's out. Uh, 
sweeping down the steps, sweep off your sidewalk, put the, put the stuff in the street, collect it in the street, and really kept the block tight. Uh, a lot of kids on my block, uh, so I had a lot of friends uh, on, the, on the street. 55th and Larchwood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, around so, the way. Yeah, you right around the way. <laughs> right around, in, in the way. We <laughs> 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 was in the way, uh, and, and often trying to stay out of the way. Right. Uh, like I mentioned, I mean, the gang war stuff was, was, was really tough, different than, than today, but, I mean, a lot of young people died uh, during those times, and so, you know, you had your block or your neighborhood, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could go to uh, 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 Black Oak Park, 52nd and uh, Pine, that's now Malcolm, Malcolm X, Park. X Park. I go to Sherwood Recreation Center, that's now Christie, mm-hmm. uh, on 56th Street. Um, we had Sims Food Market, that was a black family uh, at the one corner. I worked at Snyman's, I worked at Sims when I was a kid. I, uh, my first real job, uh, I was eight years old, I was dishing water ice uh, when I was eight. And, and then I moved uh, to the other end of the block, Snyman Pharmacy. Uh, worked there for six years, uh, and then um, you had the uh, German uh, market on the other corner. You had a black barbershop, cleaners around the corner on Pine Street, black. Uh, I think it was an Irish uh, meat market. So, I mean, it was real. Diver- sound diverse. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty diverse. You know, we were the third, third black family to move on the block. When my parents I got married in 56, I was born in 57. By the time I was about 10, I think there were three white families left. I mean, it was a big big turnover. Right. And I, you know, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't as aware, but you just, you realize I'm I'm from Penrose Southwest. Yeah. And my dad, he was the first black on the block in 1970. And people think I joke when I tell them when I, you know, I grew up, I was born in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, Elmwood, Dix Avenue. That was white. Absolutely. It it was very white. And you see it now. You almost can't believe it. And I take you even further. My uncle, he, they went to Bartram, main building. Right. Mm-hmm. He said that they used to get chased home by the white kids. Right. And it's the concept of white kids chasing blacks home from Bartram, main right. building. <laughs> right. doesn't make right. any sense. No, but, but yeah, it was real. That's real. It's real. It's real. So, you know, I don't know. I probably used up my 150 seconds. But, you know, it was just it was just a great community. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a time also, and, and this is where politics, I didn't even realize it. Um, I loved uh, American history when I was in, in high school, going to the prep from 55th and Larchwood. So I got to take the um, I take the G bus on 57th Street mm-hmm. to the L, take the L into town, mm-hmm. and either take the number two bus on 16th Street or take the Broad Street side. Mm-hmm. And every day, basically, you're making a choice. How fast do I think I can run today? Because <laughs> right. I gotta get from. Because then I gotta deal with Style Street and Stabby Street gang, right? They're they're beefing, they're warring, but they generally left us alone because we were just like these, you know, little prep school kids with the jacket and the tie and the whole thing. But some days, you know, you got to haul from Broad and Gerard, get right. to Seventeenth or right. from Sixteenth, and so, but that was all part of the education, yeah. right? So you learn uh, how to pay attention. But they Jimmy call it Carter. The of hard knocks. Absolutely. Well, you know, I tell people, uh, which, of course, is not true. I have a master's degree from UCLA. And they said, what? That's not in your bio. This is the University of the Corner of Larchwood Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, you just get some learnings, man. That's Learn cool. quick. I don't come up with something like that. That's, that's cool. <laughs> University of the Corner of Larchwood Avenue, right? And um, you just you pay attention. And so I go to college. Uh, uh, I went to Penn. Voted for Jimmy Carter. In 76, got registered to vote immediately. And Jimmy Carter and that administration, they were kicking out so much financial aid 
that you can see on a graph the number of black people, brown people who started going to college and university. See, our parents, my parents didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. Hardly, I don't think any of the parents on my block went to college, but everybody worked. And all they wanted was for us to go to college. And every kid on my street who wanted to go to college went to college and had some financial resources. Ronald Reagan beats Jimmy Carter, 1980, cuts financial aid, and you can see the numbers precipitously drop Drop, from kids being able to go to school. So it's it's all about access. My life story is a story about community, family, access, uh, mentors, sponsors, and people who cared about me. Um, And... That's the story, and that's how I got to be uh, where where I was, where I am. Uh, took some chances, uh, had some opportunities, and um, you know, the center of my whole uh, political life really started abroad in Germantown uh, at the Impulse Discotheque. Mm-hmm. You, you know what's crazy is now that you say it, I can. T- my, I thought my uncle was lying. Because he's, he's a bit of a liar. Well, 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 like well, you know how people just, we just having family time. They yeah. just ask what's going on. I'm like, oh, we getting ready to interview Michael Nutter. He's like, oh, worry. I remember Mike from Bag of Impulse. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah. He asked Mixmaster Mike. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought he was making it up. Almost no. sound like uh, them stories from coming no, to America. No, no. I'm walking down the street, I get punched in the chest. Hey, I'm like, I'm looking king. So you did DJ at German Sound at the Impulse. I did it at, okay. at, at the Impulse Discotheque. It was the first black-owned disco in the city. So my guy, Robert Bynum, and you know the Bynum brothers mm-hmm. and Zanzibar Blue and South and all that. So Robert's father, Ben, um, had a bunch of clubs, and the one I brought in Germantown was the Cadillac Club mm. back in the day. So that's you had uh, Billy Paul, Aretha Franklin, Lou Rawls. I mean, Ooh. all of them rolled through. Billy Paul, I remember that spot. Yeah, yeah, Billy Paul. Uh, he actually did a uh, album, and the title of he it and is... Mrs. Jones. Well, that's a song, yeah. but he had an album called uh, Live at Cadillac Club. Mm-hmm. So Ben, uh, Robert's father, traveled uh, to Europe extensively and saw and anticipated the disco wave coming out of Europe mm-hmm. in the 70s. So he closes the Cadillac Club, guts it to the walls, and then uh, opens back up as the Impulse Discotheque. Now, this is a place, this is the 70s, so this is a place... Exception of the dance floor and the ceiling, everything was carpeted. Yeah, carpet it's in the club. Carpet in the club. <laughs> wall to wall. Except carpet for the, the parquet wood <laughs> dance floor. <laughs> the floor and the wall. All had carpet. Okay. And uh, so and you know, at the time, you know, you could smoke you in the club and the whole thing, right? So right. Robert and I, the, the club opened the summer of seventy six. That was the summer between our freshman and sophomore year okay. at Penn. We went to Pen together, we roommated together, the whole thing. Been friends 50 plus years. So after school, I would come to the club and clean up from the night before, okay. deal with the ashtrays, deal with the trash, stock the bar, do the ice, all that, get the place ready. And then we had house DJs, uh, two guys, um, Kenny Ebo and Gordon Fauntleroy, um, but they didn't come in until 10 o'clock. The club opened at 7, 8. So Robert and I, whatever night, whoever was working, we had to get the crowd ready Got you. for the house DJs. So that's when we started playing records. So what was your DJ so, name? 
Mixmaster Mike. Mixmaster Mike. Mike. Yeah. I thought he was bullshit. Yeah. I thought he was bullshit. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, we're going to get look. this interview canceled. <laughs> Probably. Look, we would have, we would have, we would have, we would DJ Jazzy Jeff and the French Prince before they were. Okay. Okay. Hey. Robert played the records. I was a hype man on the mic. And, uh, and we just, we had a ball. We were oh, doing our yeah. thing. So, um, but it was there that I met all these political people. It was right. a building across the street. It's, it's still there, and it's now being developed into a hotel called the Brewery Building, across from the club. And they had a lot of social service agencies in there. So the club catered to a 30-plus-year-old crowd. And so all those workers in that, that building is probably 10 stories. They would come to the club after work. So we kind of had a built-in crowd. Then you had the city-wide crowd, the whole thing. So we're 19 years old, working in a club gear to 30-plus, and that was part of our education. Yeah, how about it? That was the learning. So I see all these people, and we're watching them and meet, you know, Bill Gray and John White and Marion Tasco and, and, and all these folks, right? So fast forward a couple more years. I um, Robert and I started going to City Hall. We fancied ourselves we were going to become real estate moguls. Okay. And we I like it. To, I like, I like, <laughs> like the energy. This is, a, this is a plan, right? We're going to go to a sheriff's sale. We're going to buy properties. Now, a little hey, flaw. definitely from West Philly. Little, little, <laughs> little flaw in the plan because neither one of us knows shit about construction. But we're going we to get, get the houses. It don't matter. We're going to get the houses. And then we're going to renovate them and we're going to flip them and we're going to make money. So we go, we go to sheriff's sale. And... I mean, the shit is flying fast and furious. It's like, we're like, there's something fucked up in this process. This is some sketchy shit yeah. happening, right? They're like, no, we're going to keep our little money. So we went from there, and then we went to city council, which was, you know, it's open to the public. So we're there, checking it out, stuff going on, and blah, blah, blah. the sheriff's going to be like, man, I'm about to just be a boss. There's too much going on in this joint, man. Talking fast, I don't understand what he's saying. Boom, 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 boom. I think they already sold these properties. They just playing games with us. Somebody's got a hook up. Yeah, there, right? I don't know nobody. So, <laughs> let me keep my money in my pocket. So go to city council meetings, and you know the joint was live. John Street um, was, uh, you know, uh, we had that whole app scam thing mm-hmm. with a couple council members, George Schwartz. Every week, John Street is going at him. You took the cash. You took the cash. He's banging on him. Blah, blah, blah. Eventually, of course, he resigned. He got convicted. And then um, John White, who had been a state rep, uh, uh, his council member also got caught up in the same thing. So he got convicted. He had to resign. So now John White is a city councilman. Right. So, and I met him from the club. So I knock on his door one day, and I say, um, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this political stuff, but I don't know anything about it. And so, he said, all right, well, let's sit down and talk. So he starts telling me different things. And he said, well, where do you live? I said, well, I live in, Winf- in the Winfield section. He said, oh, go next door. My best friend, John Anderson, lives out in Winfield. Tell him what you're interested in. You were talking to me, and, you know, go from there. Bet. Go next door, knock on the door. So I was just at Councilman White's office. He said I should come over and see Councilman Anderson. Mm-hmm. Now, I never heard of John Anderson. Right. I never saw John Anderson. I didn't even know what he looked like. Right. Right. They welcome me in. Mm. I sit down with him. We talking. I said, you know, I'm kind of interested. In my, he said, well, where exactly do you live? And so I was, at the time I was living off of Conchocan Avenue, uh, not, not too far around the corner from uh, Channel 6. 
So you said, well, look. Yeah, you definitely West Philly. You made it when you got there. <laughs> <laughs> I was moving on up. <laughs> in, in short order, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we moved you on. You hit every West Philly bullet. Sheriff's sale, who the steal on that? So, Robert and I, we, we, we lived on campus our first two years at Penn. And we're like, nah, we can't deal with this life. So we moved to Winfield. Both had cars. We were working at the club. We, you know, we got a little money. We dressed nice, all that. So... So he's, John Anderson says, well, look, the election's coming up in May. I'm looking for people to run for committee person. Would you be interested? Sure. So I run. <laughs> this old white lady crushed my <laughs> <laughs> Lily Levinsky. I'll never forget it. She, she crushed me in the election. And, and so then John, um, and, and he, didn't, he didn't go on to become the ward leader. So that was 82. Then 83, you know, um, Bill Green announces that he's not going to run for re-election as mayor. Wilson Good resigns from his position as managing director. Announces he's running for mayor. My guy's running for re-election to city council at large. And they asked me to be the campaign manager, uh, which I said, no. Um, and I said, because I don't know anything about that. Right, and right. you should acknowledge what you don't know. Yeah. Right. So they said, no, no, we're going to work with you. We'll help you. We'll guide you. Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so 83 was the first election that I, that I worked on. Wilson is running in the primary, you know, Frank Rizzo, all that craziness. Mm -hmm. 57 people were on the ballot that year for council at large. 57. Yeah, that's crazy. And my guy, John Anderson, uh, comes in first, okay. which had nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. Uh, he's just a dynamic guy, great person, great personality. That was May of 83. Wilson wins. He wins. That night, May 17, 1983, I made the decision, this is what I want to do. With my life. Five months later, Councilman Anderson died. Oh, wow. October 3rd. And uh, so I was like out of it. I was in the wilderness. A lot of people I met, they were like, eh, your guy's gone. Why, we don't need to deal with you. Yeah. Um, Discotech uh, open. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah. some, hard, some, some, some hard lessons. Mm -hmm. You know, politics is, 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 is tough. So then uh, the next year, uh, Al Perlman, city councilman at large, he had been diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer, convinces his wife to bring his gun to the hospital, puts a uh, sheet over his head and kills himself oh, wow. in the hospital. Damn. So now there's a vacancy. Guy who was friends with Anderson, uh, who had run in 83 but didn't win, uh, Wilson Good gives him the nod. He asked me, Angel Ortiz, asked me to be his campaign manager. I said, yes, one condition. A... I'm only going to stay with you for a year because in 1987, according to the plan, Councilman Anderson, I'm going to run mm -hmm. for city council and I can't be up in here because I'm going to run against one of your colleagues. Right. So he said, okay, fine. So we do that. He wins. I stay. I leave in 85, work on a DA's race. 86, I work with Ed Rendell, who's running for governor. And then 87, I'll run for city council. Um, lost uh, to the incumbent. And then um, came back in 91 and one. Okay. Now, at this point, you become the councilman of... Fourth District. Fourth District. Yeah. So you were... Yeah. The original Mr. Fourth out, District. Councilman Curtis Jones. You were the original Mr. <laughs> Fourth District. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Did you like yeah, doing first, it? I love city council. 
Uh, and, I, you know, I was active, uh, did a lot of stuff, learned a lot about the city, learned a lot about people. And, you know, even though I was a district councilman, I mean, I went other places and I worked on some things that, you know, were citywide in nature. Uh, created the first, you know, police advisory commission, worked on, created the, you know, the smoke-free environment in the city and, and a bunch of other things. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed that work. But, you know, around about my 12th, 13th year, I started thinking, you know, we got the election coming up in 2007. I hadn't had a real competitive race for the last two elections. Right. And I mean, I was, I was good. I was solid mm-hmm. uh, in my stuff. I took care of my folks. Um, but I wanted to do more. And the reality is every mayor who's run for re-election since the 51 charter has been re-elected. Every mayor who's run for re-election since 1951 has been reelected. So basically with that in mind, you knew if you- Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You can get elected the first time, you're guaranteed a second term. Oh, Pretty much. Yeah. But the other, the flip side of that was, if I stayed in city council uh, and ran in, in 07 for re-election and then somebody else becomes mayor, I know they're going to do eight. Yeah, you got to wait eight years. I got to wait, right? So I said, look, I'm going to take a chance, step out here. I think I can do it. And, um, you know, took a poll in uh, May of 2006. And the poll said, no matter who ran, I would be fifth in a five-way race. Oh, wow. The next month, I resigned my city council seat and announced I was running for mayor. Who was the mayor before you? John Street. Street, right. That's what yeah. I thought. So, what yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave, what, so he was term limited. Let me ask yeah. you this, Mike. What gave you the confidence that even though it's almost like a hit piece out on you, that you said, I believe in me, I'm still going to push forward and do this? Well, I mean, I think you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I, I you know, a poll is a poll. It's a snapshot in time yeah. in that moment. Poll doesn't know how long you plan, you, you, uh, how late you're going to stay up, doesn't, doesn't show what time you're going to get up in the morning, doesn't know that you're going to sit in a windowless room for four to five hours a day yeah. and call people for money, doesn't know that you can uh, uh, have the, the, the energy and, and, and the interest uh, to go out here uh, and run uh, citywide. It's just what it knew at that time. Got it. But I believed in myself, and I believed in the people around us, and uh, I mean, not in a crazy kind of way, but, you know, I just I thought we could do it. Yeah. I thought we could do it. And, um, you know, we just worked our ass off. Was there ever a time, say up to this point, when you are literally throwing your, your, your hat in the ring to run for mayor, was there ever a time where you felt like you were in over your head politically or the job was too much or there was something that you couldn't do? Um, I don't think so. I mean, you don't know until you get there. I mm-hmm. mean, when you're sitting in that seat, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice seat, but it's a lonely seat. <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I'd like to think that I did everything I could to prepare myself. I'd watched Bill Green. I'd watched Wilson Good. I'd watched uh, uh, Ed Rendell. I'd watched John Street. And I tried to make myself a student of government. I right. was paying attention as a city council member, but I was doing more than, you know, uh, maybe more than, than, than you just have to do to kind of get by. And so I, I thought I was ready. Um, like I said, you never know until you get there. Right. And certainly a whole bunch of things happened when, when I got there. <laughs> that I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't read that in the book. Right. So, but, uh, yeah, I love campaigning. And, um, 
you know, it's like just every day you're challenging yourself to yeah. get up and get out of here. How many more people can I meet? How many more, you know, can I, you know, stick to my principles and my positions and say things that actually mean something uh, and going to change somebody else's life? And that's the only reason to be in public service, because uh, you really got to care about people. Uh, and it's never about you. It's always about them. I remember meeting you when you were on the campaign trail. I was at Rose Tattoo on a date having dinner, and you walked up to my table, and you introduced yourself. You said, I'm Michael Nutter. I want to be the future mayor of the uh, city of Philadelphia. And you introduced yourself to me and to my date, and you basically did that to every single person in the restaurant. And I was like, damn, he he probably is going to be the next mayor of Philadelphia. <laughs> hey, <laughs> because I hadn't ever really felt that personal touch yeah. from um, you know anybody in the political world at that okay. point. And this is you know 2007, so I'm probably, this is what, 16 years ago? I'm like 24 years old. I'm a yeah. young kid. Yeah. I don't know a lot about politics. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I voted a couple of times to that point, right. but I had never felt that one-to-one -one, uh, yeah. interaction or connection wow. with somebody that was in the political space. I, I will say this. I can definitely remember seeing you and seeing Kurt Jones and never seeing, like, other politicians. Hmm. Like, even now, like, I'll see Morgan. I'll see Catherine Gilmore Bridges. Yeah. You see someone, but, like, up until that point... I never saw like the mayor or the governor yeah. or the. Okay. I'm not. I'm just being yeah. honest. No, like, I you hear just, you. you didn't hear see you. these people. It was like you would yeah. see them on TV, right? Or you know, yeah. and whatever was going on. But you right. just didn't like. I can vividly remember seeing you like walking down the street, and it yeah. was like people making the thing like, "Oh, Michael Nutter's on 52nd Street." You were like walking <laughs> down 52nd Street. Right. So right. like, yeah, that that's I, a real. Well, thing. I loved it, man. I, I loved being out with people. I mean, obviously, you got to be in the car, from time to time. But um, <laughs> here's, a, here's a crazy story. So. It's, uh, it's New Year's Day, and I have maintained a tradition that uh, Mayor Shrita started, which was um, uh, every January 1, uh, the mayor go, would go to the prisons mm -hmm. and you know, try to give a message of, of, of hope and right. optimism because you know, most of the people who are in our facilities up on State Road, I mean, most of us folks are going to get out. At some point, we don't hold people that long. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're doing state time. So, you know, just like, you know, first day of the rest of your life and the first of the year, we haven't forgotten about you. Blah, blah, blah. So do that. And then, you know, the other thing that happens on New Year's Day, of course, is Mama's Parade. So I do that and, you know, all the tradition and everything. So, like, my day is done and I'm going home and we're behind a car. Uh, we're getting ready, to get, getting ready to jump on the expressway and we're behind a car. And I see the person throw a bag or something out the window. Yeah. And I always sat in the front seat. I didn't. I didn't like that that whole back seat thing. I, I want to be. I like. I want to see. Mm -hmm. I jump out of the car. My guy's like, "Man, where are you going?" <laughs> I walk up to the car, and I look at the person, and I say, "What? What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Mayor Nutter." I said, "Yeah." I said, "Did you drop something?" Okay, <laughs> they get out of their car, go pick their shit up. Then they drop it. I'm like, this ain't your living room. <laughs> <laughs> Put that shit back. The mayor walking on you for littering. Put that shit back in your car. That shit back in your car. Put that back in your car. That's hilarious. Oh man, there was so many moments, man. I, that that gig, there's there's no job. There's no job in politics yeah. like being the mayor. 
Well, let me ask you this, because I always wondered, wondered is you, you, you mentioned sitting in a dark room making phone calls, getting money. Windowless dollar room, for yeah. dollars. Is, is oh. it, it, does it take a lot to become mayor when you're campaigning? Because I remember how much they said how much it costs to like run for president. Yeah. That's like astronomical. Yeah, uh, yeah that's... But like, does it still cost a lot yeah. to handle being yeah. the mayor? Yeah, well, see, it, uh, the bulk of the cost. Now, you know, the game has changed. You know, we've seen these last few elections because of this, that the uh, citizens, uh, Citizens United uh, uh, Supreme Court ruling, and now you got the outside, you know, the super PACs mm-hmm. and all that. But when I ran, none of that was in effect. So I also did campaign finance reform and so contribution limits. So we raised uh, about $4.5 million okay. in the campaign. Right, and the max contribution someone can make was twenty five hundred dollars. So uh, that's a lot of phone calls. Touched a lot yeah, of people. Four million twenty five hundred <laughs> at a clip. That's a clip. Yeah, yeah. Four and that's a half a max. million. Don't yeah. forget that's the half. That's yeah. the that's the max you can get. Right. Yeah. So here here's this. this we this. trying to raise some money here too. Some methods. This is my this is my strategy. I said anybody I called, if I talked to them on the phone, if I actually got them on the phone. And unless you told me you were a relative or on the campaign finance committee of one of the other people who are running, I'm not letting you off this phone. Give me, something. Give me something. something. Right? So, you know, depending on the person, I say, okay, you know, can you give me $1,000? No, nah, that's a little too much. Well, okay, 500 Well, I'm not sure. 250 100 I told a guy one time, I said, I'll give you, if you give me $25, I'll let you off this phone right now. <laughs> give me a Taco Bell gift card right now. I'll let you off. Right. Feed right. the staff tomorrow. Right. Give me twenty five dollars. I'll let you on the phone right now. Yeah. Right. I called somebody one time. God told me. He said it was near the end of the year. We're trying to make our end of the year. Uh, this is the end of uh, end of six. Trying to make our report. He said. Uh, he said. Well, Mike, I'm 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 driving on the turnpike right now. I said, all right, pull over. <laughs> I said, my, my purse is right here. They take your credit card right now. <laughs> he did. He did. That's Gave hilarious. me a nice number, too. <laughs> I said, pull over. Yeah, I was wondering how much I, it cost I need this to, money. to fundraise. Being yeah, and it's, a lot of it is it's TV. Uh, you know, look, we're the, we're the fourth largest media market in the country. Mm-hmm. To, stay, to be on TV at a decent level of penetration is $300,000 a week. Yeah, that sounds There's right. no credit. You have that money in Tuesday yeah. at 5 p.m., wire transfer only. If you don't, your shit not playing. And this, is during, an, and this is during an era, too, where print media was super expensive. Yep. Like magazine ads, billboards, Everything. like cost oh, a, a ton of money. Yeah. See, yeah. Twitter and Facebook, when I came into office, uh, people were still blogging. Yeah. Right? I had to, couldn't even understand that concept, yeah. right? But yeah. Twitter and Facebook were only two years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, oh seven, oh eight. So yeah, you know, I mean, like it's 04, just 04, 05, yeah. right, right. So I mean, now you know, you got so many different ways right. to communicate uh, with people. But you know, the TV is still probably still the most powerful medium uh, out there, and it's very, very expensive. So yeah. you know, you got that, and then you got staff. You got a whole operation. You know, you got you know folks working. They want to get paid. So how how did you do? It? How do you go from worst to first? Like, how did you? What do you think got you elected? I think it was a couple of things. Um, first, you know, you think about some of the personalities in the in the race. So, you know, it was uh, Bob Brady, Tom Knox, Dwight Evans, Chaka Fatah. So, Brady and Knox, they were always fighting because 
Knox challenged Brady's petition, so they mm -hmm. had some going on. Um, I think everybody thought Dwight Evans was going to get a if I if I can remember no, correctly. It was, it was Chaka. It was okay. Yeah, Chaka was leading the pack. Always. Chaka for top. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. he was always number one. Um, and so I think so. The first part of it was since nobody believed that I could win, nobody paid any attention to me. Right. That was the first. So I was just off to the side. Right. Mm -hmm. They all mixing it up, doing whatever. what. They meant the slight miscalculation, I think, was first, I had to quit my job to run. They all still had jobs. Mm. So I was a full-time candidate. People said, damn, that's a pretty bold statement. Guy quit his job. Second, I was out there all the time. Third, I was the only one that had actual local government experience because mm -hmm. I've been in city council. Right. So I could talk about things in a way that was different very, very than the other guys, yeah. right? They're reading memos and doing stuff. I'm telling you about life experience and and all that and then i think last we we just we just worked hard raised that money um other than tom knox who was a self-funder uh i raised more money than anybody else um and um you know the positions that i took and i think a lot of it was certainly around public safety uh was a big was was a big issue and education um uh, integrity in government all those kinds of things and i don't know and then i mean most people credit uh, the commercial that my daughter was in, um, uh, which was just I do remember that powerful. Uh, it only ran a week, but of the ten commercials we ran, that's the only one people remember, mm -hmm. and it really lifted my profile yeah. in a different way because folks, people were like, oh. You grew up in a row house in West Philly? I'm like, where the fuck do you think I live? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, like, but, but, but to, to, be all the way, to be all the way fair, though, and like I told you about yeah. politicians yeah. connecting with us just on a ground level, yeah. you really do have like a, a sense of like these people don't live where you live right. or don't come mm -hmm. from where yeah. you come from. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I remember meeting Lynn Abrahams and right. like she lived down in Society Hill. Right. Yeah. Ed Rendell lived right up right. off of Ridge Avenue. So right. it's like these people, you 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 don't really have like a, you you was getting water ice from Fred's. Like you just not going <laughs> to see that from a politician. In right, right. But with right. you and, and Councilman Curtis Jones, you drive down the street, you see him turning the ribs over on the grill. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, all right, like, you know, it's a very down yeah. home yeah. close to you yeah. feeling from yeah. a lot of, from y'all yeah. as opposed to a lot of the other ones. So that, that commercial told my story in 30 seconds. That commercial told my story better than I could in 30 minutes, mm -hmm. right? I have a family. I grew up in a neighborhood. Um, I take my daughter to school. All of uh, everything in the commercial was true, right. um, but it was presented in a, in a way that, as 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 you said, Matt, it, it just it made me seem more real mm -hmm. um, and 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 grounded. Uh, and so I think you put all those pieces together. Uh, we had a great team, the, the campaign uh, staff, and uh, I mean they were truly. You know, committed. They put their heart and soul into it, and uh, it was it was an incredible experience. I, I loved it. Uh, I loved the whole. How thing. did you feel when you found out? Like the, the night that you found out, like you. Well, elected? here's the crazy thing. Our poster, the same poster. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a we had a private meeting. The poster, the campaign manager, a political consultant, a chairman, and me. Two weeks before election day, poster said. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't say anything. Don't change anything. You are going to win. You will win by 12 or 13 points. So you knew in advance that you had this, as long as you just stayed the course. Yeah, yeah, 12 or 13 points, that's a good bet. <laughs> I would take that. <laughs> Line only two and a half? I'll take it. I'll take it 13. <laughs> Seriously. Hey, and we won by 12. 
That's he called it. He called it. But it was in that I mean, still, you know, like there's kind of knowing that and then that night. Yeah. Right. And they came in and they told me, you know, people were calling, they conceding, blah, blah, blah. And they said, you won. How do we do that? Yeah, yeah like I'm mayor. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be the mayor of my hometown. So, but I tell you, man, when I when we got to the, um, so you know, we do the primary and then we do stuff over the summer and then general election and transition and blah blah blah. But it it didn't it didn't fully hit me until inauguration day. And um, I had a uh, federal judge Ted McKee uh, do the swearing in and and you know my. Wife and daughter and son, they're all there. My daughter's holding the Bible, and I got my hand up. And it's just basically pretty much the same oath I'd right. always taken uh, when I got sworn in city council. And so, but I could feel with every word, because, you know, he says it, and then you repeat it. He says it and repeat it. And I could feel with every word, plus my hand was shaking. Uh, people probably couldn't see that. Yeah. But I could feel like this coat coming onto my shoulders mm -hmm. and the weight of every word. And in my mind, I'm like, Damn, I am about to become the mayor. the mayor of Philadelphia. And then I finished the oath and then, you you know, people clap and blah, blah, blah. And then I go to make my speech and, you know, it's one of the most important speeches I'll ever make mm -hmm. and you got to kind of get it right. And so first few minutes, I mean, I was still kind of nervous and then I kind of settled in and then it was on. And I mean, it, it was just the most incredible feeling. It seemed like you really cared. Like, you really, really enjoyed I, I, it. I loved it. Uh, I care about people. We had some things we wanted to get done. And you have to, you, you have to throw yourself into it. Mm -hmm. Now, I describe it this way, although I've never done this. But, you, you, you know, the, like concerts way back in the, in the day. And people would talk about, you know, you see the artists, like, jump off the stage mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and go into the mosh pit. Yeah. Right, and they carried along and the weight. Right, so like I would never do that shit, but because uh, um, <laughs> people get a little shaky, yeah. right? so you don't need all them hands on you. But you, but I just your wallet, uh, right, right, right. Come, come out with nothing, yeah. right? But I, that's the description I get. Like you have to throw yourself into this thing, right, and and love it, and and love being around people, and wanting to work on issues and make things happen. And and the thing about local government, but especially about being a mayor, is you can actually see the impact of your work almost in real time. Got it. Uh, lives saved, uh, more kids educated, uh, bike lanes, trees, you know, water in the swimming pools, uh, you know, like whatever it is, you can actually see. Yeah. What you're doing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take that long. It's unlike the, you know, the state or the feds. You know, it's like, you're, you're, first of all, you're far away from people. And it takes forever for that work. Right. But, you know, we picked up people's trash today. We moved some abandoned cars. We took down a tree, a, a house that was decrepit. Whatever the case may be. And you can see it. So, <laughs> so I leave office and... Uh, so I'm back in civilian life, and I'm driving, I'm driving down the street. My wife and I were going somewhere, and so um, I saw a thing, a, a building or whatever. I said, "Oh, honey, I remember when we opened that opened that building." And you know, she said, "Yeah." And then uh, I saw something else. And I said, "Oh, I, I remember when we did X, Y, Z over there." And she said, "Yeah." And then I told her one more thing, and she said, "Look." 
we are not going to go down memory lane every yeah. time we get, we going to every brush time we get in the fucking car. Right? Now, turn the music on, yeah. shut the fuck up. Right? Right? That's only a black woman can say. She said, it's always the I woman was, you love to humble you. Yeah. Extremely. She said, I was there for all of these things. I saw it all. Okay, it's over. Okay. We are not doing the memory lane thing. Uh, but y'all, y'all did accomplish a lot, though. Your, your staff, you know, yeah. like you had it on it, like record lows and crime. Record yeah. lows. Yeah, yeah like right. the murder rate was super down. Like, it was yeah. a lot of dope things. What, what yeah. is your, like, favorite thing you accomplished as man? Well, um, you know, I can never pick one, so I have two. Mm-hmm. The crime rate, um, homicides and shootings were at the lowest level since 1967. And we had significant increase in um, high school graduation. It was like 53% when I came in, and it was like 68, 69 when I left. Yeah, you quoted some Joe Clarks. Those, yeah. those are, but, and as proud as as I am of those things, those are the two things. Uh, the flip side of those coins are the things that I'm uh, most disappointed about. One shooting, one homicide is one too many. Mm. And I wanted the numbers even lower. And even getting to 68, 69, 70% high school graduation, I wanted 80. Right? So, but, but, I think for me, the main point I want to get across is you just can't ever be satisfied. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You set some goals. We didn't get to where I wanted to get to. We were better than we were. And we left the city in better shape. And, you know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly proud of that. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's, but I, I think you can you can never stop striving. You can never stop wanting more. I want you know less of this and more of that, and less of this and more of that. Whatever those things are, and that's how you drive a big organization like the city government to keep people focused, to keep them on point, to keep them on task, and you celebrate your little victory. You know, spin around in your office, whatever you, you want to do. Move on to the next task, and then boom. We, 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 we're, we're back, right? Because we don't have time. Because the one thing you learn, if you're lucky, you get to be mayor for 2,922 days. Two full terms. Mm-hmm. The moment you say, and I will discharge the duties of my office with fidelity, the clock has now started ticking against you. Mm-hmm. It's counting down. Counting down, counting down. Hopefully you get reelected. Then you got the ultimate countdown because you know it's over. You cannot fix yesterday. You can only do something about today or tomorrow. You cannot replay yesterday. Mm-hmm. You don't get, there's no do-overs in this. Yesterday was yesterday. Keep it moving. But every day, you are one day closer to leaving. Right. And that, you use that as a driving force to get things done. Well, I don't have time to waste. Yeah, that day is gone. Every day counts. <laughs> that day is gone. Yeah. Right? So, you know, uh, but use it wisely. Let me ask you this. Yeah. What, what would you say are the best and worst parts of being mayor of a major American city? The best part is uh, clearly the impact that you can have on um, people's lives. And whether that's, we talk about public safety, educating kids, economic development, Fun, 
uh, <laughs> big events, activities. It just, you know, the, the, the greatest part of it is you, you can really have a positive impact on people's lives. I think the toughest parts for me were both the citizen deaths as well as uh, our first responders in public safety. Um, so I lost eight police officers killed in the line of duty, four firefighters, uh, a fleet manager, uh, ladder was faulty and mm-hmm. fell and cracked his head, and a young guy who worked for PGW, there was an explosion, uh, and a wall fell on him. Um, I was at every one of those scenes. I was at every uh, hospital for them and every one of those funerals. Um, it is really, really tough losing your people. Yeah. Um, in my wallet today, there is a picture of a young girl. Uh, and she was three years old, Tanira Borum, three years old, sitting on a neighbor's step, um, getting her hair braided. And two guys, a half a block down the street, were shooting at each other. And a stray bullet hit her in the chest and killed her. Heartbreaking. And so, about a day or so later, I was out somewhere, and I called back to the shop, and I said, uh, I need the address of the mother of this young girl. And the staff called back, and they gave me the address, and I told her, Police officer, I said, I want to go to this address. He said, well, you know, we don't know what's going on over there. And, you know, uh, we have an advanced sitter. I said, we'll be fine. So we roll up. It's a small street. You know, we got the big SUVs. Mm-hmm. We roll up on the, on the block. Didn't call anybody, didn't tell anybody, because it was never about that. Right. We get out of the car. And neighbors are like, the mayor's on the block. I walk up, knock on the door. And uh, mom answers the door. She's Surprise! I hadn't called, and I said, uh, "May I come in?" She said, "Yes." And we sat down and we talked about her daughter, and I said, "I want to apologize to you that in a city of a million and a half people, a four billion dollar budget, that somehow we could not keep Tanira safe." And she accepted that, and then she gave me a wallet-sized photo of her daughter. And I put it in my wallet that day, and it's been there ever since. And it's a reminder for me of your obligation to people and that you never stop striving for excellence. Man. I got chills listening to this. Yeah, really? Man, Mike? Three-year-old girl. Three-year-old. She never... It just, it's painful, man. It's painful. I need to laminate this. Got some hundreds in there, too. <laughs> hey, beautiful little girl. Yeah. Yeah, Tanira Bourne. Mom gave me that that day. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So... Those are those are the worst. Those are the worst days. And you know, look, there's so many people, so many families suffering that tragedy. Yeah. Because, um, you know, it's really two lives at least that are impacted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The shooter and the person who gets shot. And it's not just 
It's not just those individuals because it affects the whole block. It affects the whole it affects neighborhood. The community, yeah. Right? Just imagine if you're a teenager and you were playing with your friend two days ago. You come home from school one day and your friend is laying in the street. You think that that is all resolved when the when the when the when they wash down the street and they take the and then the tape and the teddy bears and all that. I mean, kids are traumatized. Yeah. There's a ripple effect that goes through the whole community, Absolutely. through the whole city. Right. They go to school the next day and and all of that and acting out and yeah. and right. So, I mean, we have to we we have to protect our our children and our communities and our and our families uh, from this uh, from this trauma. And so, I think for me. The number one job of any government, local, state, federal, county, is the protection of our citizens. People want to be safe, right? And, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's ever going to be perfect. I mean, shit, uh, you know, Cain killed Abel. I mean, yeah, you know, folks you been, came from the gang war. And, uh, folks yeah. been doing things. But, you know, you, you just, you, you, you're trying to tamp it down. Yeah. Uh, people should be able to, you know, Go to the supermarket, go to the church, synagogue, mosque, temple, go to school. And when you send your kids out in the morning, you should have a reasonable belief that they're going to come home Absolutely. in one piece, right? That you can go to work, you're a working person, uh, or grandma wants to go to the doctor, whatever the case may be. And, you know, I mean, it's just craziness out here. There's stuff that people are doing. Like, where, do you think, where do you think things went so wrong? You've been out of office now for seven years. Seven years, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's no question that the ease of access to weapons uh, is a significant issue. But folks have had access for for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think it's you know you 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 got to you got to stay on point. You got to stay focused. You got to keep driving that uh, agenda. And I and I felt as a black guy from West Philly. I had a particularly special obligation to not just talk about these issues, but try to do something about it. Right. I think Mayor Street felt the same way. I think Mayor Good felt the same way. That and 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 my life experience of my best childhood friend, Edwin Devon. He's since passed away, but he does a favor for. This, this is when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, he got his license. We all wanted to get our license. Everybody wanted to die. <laughs> I was in high school. And he does a girl a favor and gives her a ride. Boyfriend thinks it's more than that. Right. It wasn't. And shot him in the face Damn. with a pellet rifle. Take him to Misericordia. And... I went to see him, and I'm watching the doctors literally picking these pellets out of his face. Mm-hmm. That, is, that impacted me. Right. So whether the city council or being mayor, I mean, I know that public safety is a critical issue. And right. so, you know, I just think we, we've got to get back focused to that. We've got to have straight talk. Uh, you talk about the realest podcast ever. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is, Everybody who commits a crime does not necessarily have to go to jail, but everybody who commits a crime has to have some kind of consequence. Right. right. They have to right? be held accountable for that. Absolutely. Because you made that decision. Right. You had that weapon. You chose to use it. Look, I know your life may have been not Ozzie and Harriet, and we probably have failed you in any number of ways. 
over time. But in that moment, you made that decision. You made an unlawful decision. Now that you've taken that action, we have to take another action. Right. Right? I'm sorry you didn't have a great childhood, but we're not talking about that now. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. You just walked up and shot somebody in the fucking head. Right? Listen, we passed that. (laughs) Right? We're on to another thing. And, you know, if if people don't feel that they're going to be held accountable, then they do whatever. Right? My father used to tell me all the time, he said, son, locks are for honest people. Yeah. My grandfather used to say something similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? This is about personal accountability. Yeah. Right? So unless unless you are under attack, you have no right to shoot, stab, kill, rape, rob anybody else. Right. Keep your hands to yourself. I say it all the time. Leave my shit alone. I, I don't care what you pray to, who you want to date, none of that. Just don't break into my car, into my house. Just right. leave my stuff alone. Right, right. I work I for that. The same way. Yeah. I work for that. Yeah. It's not yours. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. We don't want. We don't want to end like that. No, no, no. We got a lot. Can I ask you this? When yeah. you, when you, the day you left yeah. from being mayor, did yeah. you feel like a, a damn? I'm not doing this no more. Or did you feel a sigh of like, ooh, I made it. It's over. Well, the truth of the matter. I mean, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I, I didn't want to leave, but Rick you know, Flair, I said, well, <laughs> home rule charter. Yeah. You know, you I ain't leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hold on. <laughs> Drag his ass on that. <laughs> nah, man. I, I left. I left that office. Like I said, the inauguration was uh, Monday, January 4th. I left. Uh, last time I was in there was uh, December 31st, 2015. I've been packing up. myself. You know, the, yeah. the last six months, I mean, you know. You, you know, know it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's, yeah. Co- it's coming, right? You and and like we right, said, here you, come Mike again. Yeah. Let me show you where the where the cleaners. <laughs> so <laughs> you, know, you, you know. ain't know about the sponges under the sink. <laughs> Place right here, best grilled cheese. Best grilled cheese. <laughs> you gotta, you know, you gotta get, you gotta get your head right, yeah. right? Because you know it's, but you still gotta do the job, right? So it's it's, it's a like a duality mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? And but you know, like anything else, you gotta you gotta you gotta do it till the end. You gotta run through the tape, right? And so. I um, I leave the office. We have that weekend, and then this inauguration, and then that later that week, uh, my wife and daughter and a whole bunch of friends we we went away, mm-hmm. went down went down the islands, uh, what we called the cool out tour, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> we were just totally chilling, and you know it was a it was a different feeling. It's it, it it's a it's a transition in the, in and of itself because mm-hmm. now you got to transition out. Right. It's not your job. It's not your responsibility. Just like, but, um, I was telling this story yes, just yesterday. So they, um, you know, you have always have police security protection and, you know, somebody at your house and the whole thing and, and driving the car and all that. So in Philly, at least our tradition is when you leave the mayor's office, you still get, you get six months of continued uh, service with the police to reduce your, Reduce the numbers, but you have you have a couple yeah. people, right? Yeah. So, but in 2016, we had the Democratic National Convention, which right. I had gotten a 
applied for when I was in office, and then you know it's a two year out thing, so we applied in fourteen, and we, and we went it for for sixteen. So I said, look, I just need to get through the convention, which is in July. So I actually need like seven months. So the uh, Commissioner Ramsey talks to Commissioner Ross. They work it out. I get it. So doing that thing. Now comes time for the convention, right? So you know, basically it's Monday to Thursday, right? right? And you got all the different speakers, blah blah. blah. And then the Thursday night. Is the main, is the is the last and final night, and that's when the nominees speak. So you know, it was Hillary Clinton, all that, right? So, <laughs> so go to the convention. Hillary speaks. Everybody's happy. Go to a couple parties, whatever. And uh, so my guy, uh, he he's taking me. Home. We've done everything. Now he's taking me home. So comes out the driveway, and he says, "Well, Mr. Mayor, it's it's it's, it's been real, and we've had a lot of fun." But this is it. This is it. It's the last ride. <laughs> this, this is it. Sign this when we play. Sign here, here, initial yeah. here. Right. And uh, you are relieved of service. You are done. I'm sorry, bro. So the next day, <laughs> that Friday morning, I you know, get up and I come outside. And I'm like, well, damn. What the fuck do I do now? <laughs> I ain't got no car. I got nobody to take me nowhere. I don't have no meetings. Don't nobody want to talk to me. Damn. This is it. I'm just a washed up former mayor at this point. This is so, crazy. He's down there so, blowing the dust off the records. You see what Curtis Mayfield talking about this morning. Says nobody want to talk to me. Put some Hal Melvin in the Wake up, everybody. So... So, here's, so, but but here's another one where I really realized, you know, kind of where I was in life. So, I started teaching at Columbia University, right? Uh, right after the spring, right after right after I got out of office. So, I started in like March. So one time I had been um, I've been traveling, and so I had my luggage with me, and I came to Columbia and I had my luggage, and then I needed to get home uh, for an event in Philly. So, <laughs> I didn't have that much experience with the with the car services. Okay. So, so I ordered a car uh, while I'm in my office, and then I'm gonna just you know pop down the elevator and come out. And I really needed to catch this like five o'clock train or something. Um, but I'm way up on hundred you know hundred eighteenth Street right. in New York. So <laughs> trying to get to Penn Station. So I run out of the building. There's a car there. And I jump in the car. And so we go down the end of the block, and then we make a right, and it's a very long street. I think it's called Morningside Drive. About halfway down, the guy's phone rings, and he got on speakerphone, and the lady says, so where, where are you? And he says, what do you mean? And he, she said, I'm, I'm waiting for you. Yeah. And so then he turns around and looks at me, and he says, oh, you have to get out. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I got in the wrong car. Yeah, I was about to say that happened to me one day. I've done it. So I got in the wrong car. He's like, sir, so, so you, you have to get out. Okay. So I get out. I got my luggage. And so then I call the car that I was supposed to be in, right? But where I are you at? So I was like, okay, I, I, I got the wrong car. And he said, all right, well, where are you? And so I look around, but the street was so long, there were no street signs. Right. So I said, well, 
I don't know. <laughs> he said, well, I can't come get you. <laughs> if you don't know where you are. I, so, out. I said, okay, all right, never mind. So uh, me and my little luggage, Start I get walking. down to the end of the block so I could see where I am. And it was in that moment that I realized, I said, you know, six months ago, I was the leader of the fifth largest yeah. company in the United States of America. <laughs> 27,000 thousand employees. I had a car take me wherever I want and drive right. me out. And right now, you are just another Negro. Stay, stay in New street, York, don't know where you go. Going to New York, and you don't even know where you are. You are done. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are, you so are done. Over, bro. You are nobody. <laughs> Just another Negro standing on the corner uh, waiting for the lift yeah. <laughs> to come. That's hilarious. I said, damn. Oh, okay. Man. But six months ago. Yeah. I was the man. Yeah. I was doing something. Straight out Bundy with it. Let me ask you this. Because yeah. this is after you were done being married. You worked with Obama, didn't you? Or did you? That was what, Doran. That was Doran. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he came out. Of, but they had uh, my brother's keeper. Right. And I was on the advisory uh, for How that. Was that? Uh, that was great. Um, President Obama. Uh, he was always uh, he was always fun to be be around. I mean, you know, super smart and right. all that. But um, I had this one uh, situation. So he he's he's kind of funny. Whenever we would see each other, he always like loud and would only call me by my last name. So he we'd see each other. Nutter, how you doing, man? What's going on? What's happening? <laughs> Mr. President, what are you doing? Shout right? out to so, <laughs> so, so this one time, so he comes to town. He's coming for a fundraiser. And, you know, the tradition, of course, is uh, you meet the president at the airport, right? So Air Force One, big-ass plane. Like, I was at the airport one time when he actually comes in. It's yeah. in, No it's, one can move. It's massive. It's right? insane. Like, yeah, it's crazy. So, Leader of the free world. <laughs> hey, serious, man. So... He, he comes down the steps, and, you know, he was always bouncing, mm-hmm. comes down the steps, and, and the officer salutes and, and that whole thing, and I greet him, and we chit-chat about whatever. So he says, look, I got to go over, because they always have, like, people, just mm-hmm. like regular folks over on the side, and he worked a rope line. He mm-hmm. says, so hang around, and, um, you know, I'll catch up with you after I do this thing. Because normally I would just, you know, our car would just be in the motorcade, and we go wherever we're going to go, right? So I'm hanging around. And and he walks over in the big beast car, is right there. And so he finishes the thing, and I say, I say, uh, okay, I'll see you at the event. And he says, uh, no, hop in. Oh, you actually got to ride in the beast. So I'm like, what? He said, yeah, jump in the car. You know, like you do with your, like, yeah. like you do with your friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'll give you a ride, yeah. right? So, so he always gets in on the on the passenger side. And uh, so I walk around the back of the car. The Secret Service agent is standing there. He looked me dead in my face. I said, he told me to get in. <laughs> I want no smoke. Yeah. I'm not standing here. Yeah. I'm not trying to get yeah. in his car. Yeah. Right? I said, he told me to get in. He said, okay. Opened the door, sat in there. And, I mean, it's, it's an incredible car. But oh, yeah. it's I'm, totally uh, crazy. It, yeah. yeah. So... I'll send this. I'll send this to you. So, <laughs> I used to have one of those. Uh, do you remember Zoom, the the little portable music? Oh, player? the music player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Like Microsoft's yeah. version yeah. of the yeah. iPod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so I was, I was into that. I had a Zoom, right? You did. So, huh? Yeah, yeah. I gotta have a music player, right? So, I'm, so I'm in the beast. I'm 
looking around. Looking for the ox. I'm looking for the ox. I'm looking for the ox. Jack. Pass me the corn breezy. I'm looking for the ox jacket that dog because I know he listens to music in the car, right? So, so I never did find it. It's probably on some panel or something. But anyway, I'm gonna send you. I made a playlist on Spotify called "Tunes I Would Have Played in the President's Car." So I'm gonna send you the link. <laughs> oh man! But uh, yeah, no, my brother's keeper and and a uh, bunch of things we worked on during his administration. They, um, his whole team, uh, the president Valerie Jarrett, uh, the different cabinet secretaries. I mean, we had a we we had every cabinet secretary in his administration, with the exception of Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, had some event, some activity. Uh, some program in Philadelphia mm, during our time. Well, because Philly is the largest city closest to the D.C., mm-hmm. and you can get up here quick, do a presser, fourth largest media market, so you're going to get your message out, and you can be back in D.C. in the afternoon. Get in and get yeah, out. Right? So, and we just, you know, we knew what we were doing, and, and, and we got along with them. So they always have folks uh, coming up here to, uh, to do uh, different things. So we, we, we became, pretty, uh, became pretty close. Um, but I, I enjoyed working with him and certainly First Lady uh, Michelle Obama. It just... Really great people. Yeah, they seem like it. Yeah, they genuine. Like it. Genuine. Uh, another role that you held, um, how would you explain your role as President of the United States Conference of Mayors? Yeah. That sounds like a big title and a lot of responsibility. <laughs> well, it was during 2012. It's a, it's a one-year term, uh, and you have to move up through the ranks. You get on the advisory board first, then you become a trustee, then second vice president, first vice president, then president. So it takes five years, and I did it in five Um uh, with a lot of support from from other mayoral uh, colleagues, um, you're the you're the voice in the face of the organization yeah. across the country. Pretty much anything happens. Uh, certainly, if it has any effect on cities, you, you know you're going to be on TV or you're issuing a statement or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, 2012 was uh, we had uh, Sandy Hook, um, so I was president. You know, during that time and 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 other. Horrific incidents, and you know Michael Brown or Garner. You know, I mean, just the, the, the Trayvon Martin um, and all. The, so even when I wasn't in in presidential leadership, I was in right. leadership, yeah. and so you know you, you're you're interacting at a at a level uh, with uh, you know all the all the main players in the administration. So you know, uh, USCM, you know, is, is, is the voice and face of the, of the mayors across the country. And you get voted by your colleagues, uh, to lead, uh, this organization. So it is a lot of responsibility. Um, and you know, again, my team, the city team, uh, had, I had a couple folks who, you know, shifted some of their responsibilities just to help me, uh, you know, do, do that job better. But uh, it was a great, great honor. I'm still actively involved with the conference, go to the, you know, the meetings, uh, two big meetings a year. And I've just really stayed engaged and involved. Know tons of mayors across the country and work with them, provide some advice and, you know, a little bit of mentorship and guidance from time to time. People reach out and, and ask. Um, so uh, I, I love my time during USCM. Can I, can I ask what was it that, like, shifted where you went from this basically unknown guy where, you know, if, if five people run, you come in in fifth place to where now it just, at least from talking to you and just yeah. we've, we've gone out, we've been going out the yeah. day, eat some lunch, you seem to be very respected mm. countrywide yeah. from all mayors in all different parts of the country as, like, I need to talk to Mike. I need to get with him. Like, like how did that shift happen? Even to where you say the yeah. may, other mayors, like, yeah. are pushing for you yeah. to be the leader in this conference. Um, 
I think there's a couple of things. I, I, you know, I, I think I presented myself in a, in a serious way, in a legitimate way. I looked out for other people, um, you know, other mayors in the, in the conference. And, you know, I wasn't afraid to say what needed to be said. Mm. Uh, and so I think folks are always, wherever you are in your, in your journey, people are always looking for leadership. They want folks to step up. That's the way I was raised, um, you know, just, again, back to, back to 55th and Larchwood. And, you know, my, my, my parents, uh, you know, was, uh, can hear still my father talking about, you know, be independent, think for yourself, don't do just what everybody else is doing. You know, you've you, you got you to take care of your own business. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I did step out there on, on a number of, of different occasions, uh, campaign for other folks, uh, work with other people. You know, you got to be generous with, with your time and your spirit and be be humble enough, uh, quite frankly, to ask for help uh, when uh, when you need it. So I would reach out uh, to, to other folks, uh, other mayors who had been there, you know, had been in the position, you know, longer than me, um, and ask them right. uh, for help and advice. You know, you know, like we used to say, if you don't know, you better ask about it. Right. You know. So I don't know. Yes. Personality. What would you say that you, um, if you had to narrow it down to, it had to be one thing, a couple mm-hmm. things. What mm-hmm. are you most proud of from your two ten years as mayor? Um, I think I brought a level of, uh, I'm, I'm hoping I brought a level of respectability, um, you know, to the city. I've wanted Philadelphia to be bigger on, on the national, international map. Um, when you look at uh, the events and activities that we brought uh, to Philadelphia, um, you know, my first year, which of course I had nothing to do with, uh, you know, Phillies won the World Series. Uh, I thought you were about to say, you know, because when I got in there, you know, <laughs> right. I want to, you know. Shane Victorino just knew he, he was batting 300. Chase right. Sutley, you know. Right. Ryan Howard, I mean, you know, I, like whatever. But, you know, but I will say this. I will say this. I threw out the first pitch at the Phillies home opener in May, uh, in March of 2008. Phillies went on to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. I never threw out the first pitch for the rest of my time in office. Damn. And the Phillies did not win. Hey, man. <laughs> Ain't no mystery in your hey, history. I, hey, listen. He's the fan. You take two pieces of information, you do with them what you yeah. know. This right. is tangible data. <laughs> just right. So I don't know. Former man. <laughs> maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, you know, maybe I should have thrown out another first pitch. Yeah, I don't know. Hilarious. But no, it's, uh, it, you know, it, there's, there's, there's something about being out there, you know. Look, I, I, I guess I always I consider myself I always consider myself an on-field player, right? I want to be in the game. I want to be in the mix. I want the ball, uh, you know, what, whatever the case may be, and it's constantly challenging yourself uh, to to make things better. And I think uh, we did elevate the city uh, nationally, internationally. Uh, you know, the people sure. visit at the end. Um, you know, obviously they could have gone anywhere. They decided uh, Philadelphia. Um, and so I just, I always just wanted us to, to show up uh, and, and represent well and, and have people think of us, you know, in a way that maybe they hadn't uh, before. Yeah. And, you know, I tried to stay focused like that. Did Made in America start with you? Yeah. Okay. I, that was yeah. about you in my, in my brain. Yes, literally. 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They And they picked us. Um, again, um, they had seen... The different events, uh, you know, Fourth of July, these events, that event, the other event, and we got a call one day from uh, Jay Z's folks, and they said, you know, we're thinking about this new concept, and um, 
you know, we're 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 looking at uh, Philly. You know, would you guys be interested? in Shit, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I, I, I got the microphone. I, I, I want a mic. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> when? <laughs> so, so, so the day of the press conference, you know, we're at, at, you know, on the steps of the art museum, yeah, and uh, went, you know, we're in the back and going through the run of show and. We come around, and so we come outside, and the crowd's going crazy. Jay Z is there, and I turned to him. I said, uh, "It was uh, uh, a song out of uh, um, New York." Uh, no, a public uh, public, public serv- service public service announcement. And I turned to him, and I said, uh, "I guess you got your swagger back." Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, How you know that? <laughs> I listen. German town. That was a good day. Think, like, that as a the mayor, day. just how many people you come in contact. Yeah. You were in law abiding citizen. Yeah, I was in law abiding citizen. How did that happen? <laughs> so, so this is crazy. So, you know, I uh whenever there was a, a, a movie or a series or whatever being filmed, I would always go on set and thank the director and the actors and just for being here in Philly. I mean, those things bring so, so much, much money. Yeah. So but they spend a ton of money, right? Uh, they have big dinners, they're buying clothes, they're doing stuff, whatever, right? So so a lot of it was filmed in City Hall. Right. And so, as a matter of fact, uh, big portions of it were filmed in the mayor's reception room. So, you know, they had to get our permission, probably. we take all the furniture out, and they had, like, two or three different sets. So what happened was, and I got to meet, you know, F. Gary Gray, the, you know, the director, mm-hmm. and he was down, and, and, and so... So we were talking one day, and they had the scene where, uh, not spoiler alert, uh, where they had to swear in Jimmy Hooks, the the DA. Mm-hmm. Well, but they didn't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, mean, they, no, I can swear in all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. Right? So they didn't. They, they didn't have the. They didn't have the. Yeah. They didn't have the oath. They didn't have a Bible, right. There, right? So I'm sitting there talking to Gary, and I said, well, so, you know, this is what you do, and here's the thing, and blah, blah, blah. And then he looks, he said, well, why don't you do it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, oh, shit, y'all ain't said that the word. <laughs> <laughs> I got an extra suit. <laughs> I'm good to go. Yeah. So that scene, I'm literally I'm on camera for one minute. So four hours. Yeah. film that scene. How many times did they the, reshoot you? They, they, Different well, angles they, they, and... Right, they got multiple cameras. Like like you all have, and then they you know they got to get they got to get Jimmy Fox right, they got to get Viola Davis right. There's movement, you know, so that always creates you know it's yeah, a that timing was Viola piece. Viola Davis, that was the, yeah, yeah, she was yeah, the yeah. right. So, um, um, and I'm just there in between them, and I'm I'm watching it, and, and it'll be you know Gary with like Jimmy, I want you to do it this way or Viola, right. So and then we like go away, and then they come back and blah blah. And then my office is right around the corner, so it didn't matter. So. Um, so they do the scene, and, and, it's, and it's great. So one day, I stopped back by, and I noticed you know, a chair that Viola Davis was sitting in. She's the mayor. And I, I, I said, damn, that chair looked better than the one I got. So about three weeks after production wraps up, they were all gone. Everything. I was out somewhere. I come back to the office, and the chair is in my office with a note from F. Gary Gray. We had a great time here in Philly. Just wanted to leave this behind. Now, did you tell them how much you like this hair, or they just caught you eyeing it? They caught me eyeing. I mentioned it to someone. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that I really liked it, yeah. right? But I mean, I wasn't like, like yeah. I had no expectation, yeah. right? And yeah, That's they, decent. they gave it a chair. Yeah, gave it a chair. And that was that was the chair I sat in for the rest of my time. Was there ever a time you met someone 
that was either like famous or an athlete or somebody politically, and you were surprised that they knew you? There's one. There's there's one. It's it's an interesting story. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, we used to get invited to uh, uh, President Obama, First Lady. He would have these parties mm-hmm. at the White House, right? Uh, Christmas party or this party or that party or whatever. And you know, from time to time, we get get invited. And I mean, there's all kinds of stars and stuff there, and you know, Stevie Wonder. And then one day, one one time, it was Stevie Wonder and Prince performed at the same time uh, in the White House. I'm trying to that hold it together. But that was crazy. I thought you were about to say Stevie Wonder recognized you. No, I, was, I swear. No, 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 but I have met him a couple times. <laughs> Second time he heard my voice. Yeah. He said, oh, man, no. <laughs> so, but you heard, you heard the, the, the speaking of Stevie Wonder, you've seen the, the clip with uh, uh, Dr. Dre? Shaq talking about Stevie Wonder. Mm-mm. You don't know that story? With Shaq? Uh, Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, I know who Shaq is. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right. No, no. So I'm going to okay. get back to your question. So it's, it's a bit, it's, it's on YouTube, I think. So Shaq says, Shaq says that Stevie Wonder can see. Uh-huh. He said, because apparently they lived in the same building at some okay. point in time, right? So Shaq said he, he was on the elevator. Stevie Wonder gets on. He's standing next to him. And Terrence says, what's up, Diesel? <laughs> <laughs> He had never said anything. <laughs> he says, "Do you want to see?" Anyway, so, it's a video clip. You gotta check it out. It's just crazy. So anyway, what's up, Diesel? So, so I'm in the White House. We had this party, and uh, uh, I said to my wife, you, "You know, you want anything from the bar?" So I'm, go- I'm going to the bar, and it's all kinds of stars there, and people. Samuel Jackson is there, and and I mean, just all these folks. So I'm over by the bar, and get the. Um, and I see uh, one of the president's daughters, mm-hmm. Malia, who I guess at the time was like a teenager. And, you know, I was like, yeah, it seems a little weird to say anything it's like president's children. Yeah. So, but we're literally standing right there. And I, I turned to her and say, um, so, so good to meet you. Uh, I'm Michael Nutter, mayor of Philadelphia. And she looks at me and says, I know who you are. That was surprising. I said, oh, okay. This is like a 17-year-old yeah, young, yeah. young lady living her life. Why do you know why? I mean, I saw Law by a Citizen. I saw Law by a Citizen 3,500 times. So. It's on so, every other night. So. Well, well, it's funny because I know it gets in like some kind yeah, of rotation yeah. or something. And people have mentioned, I said, that movie's 10 years old. It's yeah. always on. No, it's yeah. always on. Okay. So that was, that was I was, I was actually kind of surprised. By but yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I know who you are. That's cool. Okay, it's paying attention, but uh, yeah, those White House parties. Uh, Janelle Monae, uh, she she performed at one. She was like on a table and singing. And, I mean, they were just fun. Yeah, they were just fun. Uh, but yeah, the Stevie Wonder Prince one, uh, where they were performing together, was was quite amazing. 
Yeah, to start out in the disco tech on Germantown yeah. Ave and then end up at the White House party for the Obamas, yeah. where, Stevie, regular where Stevie Wonder's performing with, with Prince, Prince is like, hey, dog, we came a long way from the carpet walls. Like, seriously. It's, it's, it's been a crazy life. That's, that's, that's decent, life. man. One thing life. I noticed how this is going to highlight is just how cool you are. And we kind of realized it just by hanging out with you, meeting yeah. you at different places. Like, hey, Michael Nutt is a cool dude. Like, he's not like, like the coolest. Up, yeah, like, not uptight at all. Like, you definitely like a down to earth cool dude. And uh, what are you doing now? Yeah. Like now that you're like removed from yeah. it all. So I'm st- so I'm still teaching at Columbia. Okay. Um, you know I don't I don't teach in the summer. It's uh, fall and spring. So we go back right after uh, right after Labor Day. Um, and what but, are you teaching? Um, so it's grad students uh, at the School of International Public Affairs. Okay. So they're getting a master's in public affairs or uh, international affairs. Uh, um, government service, that, that kind of thing. So I teach uh, one course a semester, uh, and I have two different courses. The one in the fall is called Leadership in Urban Transformation. So that's really about going into public service and, and why and how and running for office and uh, you know, showing a lot of commercials. And so, again, a lot of leadership work. And then in the spring, I took – so I'm the inaugural David N. Dinkins Professor of Practice at Columbia. Mayor Dinkins. David Dinkins from New York. Yeah. Okay. So Mayor Dingus was at Columbia for like 20 years. Uh, he went. He came there right after he left office. Okay. So they had a chair. The chair had been designated in his name, but was never filled. Got it. So as I'm about to transition out in 2015, they reach out to me and say, you know, we're starting to search, and, you know, would you be interested? And, and I said, well, want to be honored uh, to be associated right. yeah, with Mayor Dinkins. And he was still, he was still teaching uh, at the time. And I said, but I'm still in office, so I can't really have this conversation. I you know, need to wait. So long story short, we work it out. I come out in 2016, and then I, I start there. And then when he left, uh, about a year and a half before he passed, he stopped teaching, and I took over his course. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's called Critical Issues in Urban Public Policy. And I kept the format that he had, which is every week there's a guest speaker uh, who's a content expert in a particular in a particular area so I'm exposing exposing the students to a ton of people that they would you know normally never meet right. interact with I help them get jobs uh, or internships and that kind of stuff so um, so that's kind of the main thing and then I have a fellowship at Penn um, at the uh, School of uh, Social Policy and Practice okay. and then I have another fellowship at the University of Chicago Harris School of Public Policy uh, and then I chair the senior advisory committee for the Institute of Politics at uh, Harvard Kennedy. Um, Are you still active? Uh, Very active. You everywhere. Uh, you know, you find like, time I, got, to go. I, got, I got I got bills to pay. <laughs> you know, that's so, you know, <laughs> so I can pay for that many. Uh, so. Um, and then I have my own consulting uh, uh, practice. Like uh, another advisor. Advisors. So I have a group of clients uh, who, you know, are looking to grow and expand their businesses in a variety of places. And because I know all these mayors and cities and, you know, so I can help guide them. Um, and then I'm on some boards and that kind of hey, stuff. You really have been around a lot of, like, great black politicians throughout the history. Like, you see, like, just Dinkins and Good and Street and yeah. Obama. Like, yeah. you've been... You've been around. I've, I've, I've been, great I've been fortunate. Yeah. I've been fortunate. Again, these are all learning experiences, you know, with these folks, and they've been generous, you know, with uh, with their, with their time. Uh, when I, um, after I won the primary in two thousand seven, the summer two thousand seven, um, I went to Chicago uh, and met uh, Mayor Daly, Rich Daly, for the first okay, time, yeah. and then I went to New York 
uh, and met uh, Michael Bloomberg uh, for the first time. And it's through those contacts and relationships, again, uh, that I've that I've you know had the opportunity to to do a lot of different things yeah. uh, through those. You know, politics is the ultimate people business. Yeah, for sure. um, you you, you got to put yourself out there, um, ask for help, ask for advice, um, and then show up. Uh, when um, when 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 you need it, and that you know that's that's what I tried to do. Um, but I'm I'm enjoying myself. Uh, that eight year period was incredible, but you got to move on. Forward. Yeah, you know, there's life after public service. Oh yeah, for so, sure, absolutely. Know. I got and one I'm, last question, and yeah. then we can wrap and we can go uh, grab yeah. some food. Um, this current political regime in the city of Philadelphia, um, oh. namely Jim Kenney and Larry Krasner, seem to be in everybody's crosshairs a lot. Um, they've gotten a ton of criticism for the present conditions of the city. Do you call fair or foul on that? Um, and the second part to that is, are we in unprecedented times where anybody would have certain challenges if they were the DA of Philly or the mayor of Philadelphia? So a couple things. Um, the first is, uh, I, at least within myself and I've watched other people. So, um, I have not given an interview or said anything, uh, publicly, uh, about, um, the current mayoral administration. Correct. Um, so I'm going to stick to that. Um, obviously, I did write something a while back mm-hmm. uh, with regard to you know, particular situation comments that the DA had made back at that time, and, and that you know kind of set me off. But I think for folks your age, um, or I'll put it this way, for folks my age. Um, the seminal time or event that we often refer to is 1968, mm-hmm. right? Vietnam War, the, you know, assassinations. I mean, it's just, you know, the whole 60s. It's just crazy turbulent time, and we, you know, put them out on the moon, right? So, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And I think for you all um, and, the, and younger generations, I think 2020 is going to be that mm-hmm. that that seminal time, right? So yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to feel the true sti- effects from right. for a good while. Stick with me. So worldwide pandemic, massive fiscal distress, racial reckoning, presidential election, and what I call the 13th month of 2020, um, an insurrection <laughs> in uh, January 21, right? Those five things have changed the country and the world. Um, and so um, in terms of Philadelphia, I mean, to be honest, crime was actually going up. Violent crime was actually going up in the three years before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic just took it to a whole other yeah, level. It just, it and then when spiked. you look at other cities across the country, like 12 cities, including Philly, somewhere in the 2021 time frame, had all-time record highs. Yeah, you talked about uh, it a lot for, on the show. For, for violence, yeah. right. So, so you have that. But the fact of the matter is, it, you know, when you're in these positions, you got to do something. Um, and so, you know, I'll leave it to others to do the assessment of, you know, this current combination. But I think that uh, we've lost a little bit of our focus um, in general. Uh, and um, when you're in these positions, uh, I would say, you know, right or wrong, uh, you have a responsibility. Yes. You have an obligation. People are dying in your streets. And, you know, look, if I only met with people I liked, I would have had a lot of free time. You got to work with what you got. That's real. And you got to work with who you got to work with and get some shit done. Right. 
And the, the, even the, I know the numbers are certainly coming down, but they're coming down from, you know, all-time high. All-time so, you know, we got to get back, you know, below 400, below 300, uh, one day, hopefully below 200 uh, in terms of, of the homicides. And, you know, and make that an issue and make that a focus and a commitment. And you get to drive this organization, uh, this big, you know, city government and, and our citizenry and get back on track. Um, and that takes the, the, the mayor and the police commissioner and the DA and the courts to have some semblance of some kind of plan or coordination. Yeah. And I think everybody now is just kind of, you know, look, everybody's working, everybody's doing their thing, just not in a coordinated fashion. I was just about but, to but say. But everybody's showing up every day. When, when you guys were in, in office, it felt very cohesive. Well, and now it looks yeah. very disjointed at times yes. where it's like you got this pocket of people, right. you got right. this pocket of people, you right. got these guys who don't really, yeah. you don't ever see them with them. Yep. Right. That's how it feels. We did a show last year, I want to say around like May or June, mm-hmm. two political officials, I'm not going to say who they were. Right. And we literally at that time asked them who is going to be the next mayor of Philadelphia, who can steer the ship and, you know, get us back um, on a focused track to uh, to greatness again, mm-hmm. and they refused to answer the question. Like they they wow. talked around it. They it was like, well, they all have good quality, and I'm just like, just pick a person. Like just tell me <laughs> who can do the job. Right. If you can't pick one, give me two, three candidates, and I'm just right. like, it's 17 people. The people don't know right. at this time. It was like 16, 17 candidates. The people don't know. No. Who is next? And y'all are in active office now and won't stamp anyone. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think that uh, you, back at back at our time, I mean, the relationship, you know, Commissioner Ramsey and I, I mean, we were just, you know, there was no space between us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seth Williams was DA at the time. Mm-hmm. Seth was a good DA. Obviously, you know, had some other ch- challenges. But doing that job. He did that job. And I think that, you know, uh, and then we, you know, my uh, Deputy Mayor for Public Safety, Everett Gillison, who had been public defender for a long period of time, and, you know, we at least talked to the courts. I mean, you know, look, the judges are independently elected. They got the rope. You can't tell them what to do, right? right? The DA is independently elected. Can't tell them what to do. The mayor is independently elected, right? But we would meet, and I'd say, okay, we all have these jobs. But we actually only have one job. Right. That's the safety and protection of the citizens. Serve the people. Right? So when Seth uh, started going after folks with guns, created Gunstat, asked for higher bail, longer sentences, I mean, the word got out. You have to send a message to the streets. We are not fucking around here. Yeah. We are not playing. This is serious. There will be consequences for this kind of behavior and activity. And I, during our time, we spent a lot of time collaborating and coordinating our efforts, the police, the DA, the mayor's office, the courts, the, you know, I was very, very focused on returning citizens, right? As a part of a crime reduction strategy. Mm-hmm. If you're out here and you're gainfully employed, you are less likely to be doing all this other shit because right. you don't have time because yeah. now you're gigging, you're working, mm-hmm. right? You got some coin in your pocket. And uh, so we helped tons of folks who had a previous criminal record, um, you know, get their lives back. Right. So now I, I just took you off the field. You're not involved. You can see a pathway for yourself, right? I mean, we got to give these young people a sense that, like, 25 is an attainable number, right? Right. I mean, I was never worried about being 25 years old. Absolutely. Right? So, uh, but if you don't think you've got a future, 
and you, you don't see any prospects, you make a, a whole set of different decisions uh, than somebody who's seeing a future and seeing some hope, right? right. And so I think we've, we've got to give, um, uh, give folks a sense of hope uh, out here. So I, I'm hopeful, you know, look, um, not prejudging, but, uh, you know, Sherelle Parker is going to be the next mayor. Yes. Um, and um, she has, I think, an incredible opportunity to bring this city together, put a focus on public safety issues. She's been here. She's been in office for a long time. She has her own uh, son. She knows the importance of, of public safety issues. Um, and I think, uh, you know, she's able to pull a good team together, surround herself with, with folks who are, you know, serious about, about the business, then I think she can uh, reunify uh, this city and, and put the focus where it needs to be, which is on public safety and educating our kids. Michael, I want to thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, I'm here today, sir. No, no, no. Shake your hand okay. on camera. Sorry, Let people so know long. I know you, <laughs> and we're friends. Sorry, it took so long. Uh, th- this is this has been phenomenal, man. Thank you yeah. so much. You don't do a lot. We started off before we uh, cut the mics and cut the cameras on. You don't do a lot of interviews. No. Um, and you know, this took a personal connection to get this done. But we absolutely appreciate it absolutely. and uh, applaud you for. Thank all you. of the great work that you've done and the work Thank that you, you continue to do, um, you Thanks. know, in the education space and just being yeah. very present, available and front facing for uh, a Absolutely. ton of different people, man. Generation of people. I try my best. Try to do the best I could every day. Yeah, no. uh, some, some, some days we won, some days we lost, but the effort yeah. was always there. And uh, again, another shout out to our uh, good mutual friend, uh, Kevin Harden. Absolutely. Uh, serious brother uh, and uh, always wishing him the best. Um, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, find you. Going, are you on social media? Not really. Not really. Uh, LinkedIn. Okay. And, and I still call it Twitter. I don't know what the other guy calls it. <laughs> Twitter X. <laughs> Twitter. Yeah, I can't deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, those those are uh, ways. And then um, you know, Mike Nutter LLC uh, dot com uh, is uh, through the website. But uh, you know, I'm just just living my best life. That's trying, really to be, nice. trying to be around for more than a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad gonna like this one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's like, y'all talk them rappers. I don't know what's going on. But I'm <laughs> gonna enjoy this. What's for the mic? I can yeah. get with that. I, I love it when you said your uncle told you about Yo, I, thought he, I swear to you, I thought he was playing. This man ain't about to bring that up in front of the mayor, man. He's like, I'm telling you, I'm next last door. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's real, stuff. man. But that, that's how you know you just always been there in front of the people. Yeah, like, you know. What I mean? Well, it was funny, man. When I was running, when I was running for mayor, uh, I'd run into, you know, it's a citywide thing, right? Not run into people, and every now and then, somebody they'd like lean in a little closer. I say, "How you doing, man? What's going on?" I said, I remember you from the impulse. Yeah. And we just like, nah. Man, man. I'm gonna be mayor, man. Keep, keep it on the down, down. Yeah, I'm not. Like, okay, all right. We're not gonna talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for a different well, agenda yeah. today, my brother. Well, fortunately, yeah. fortunately, there were no cell phones, yeah, right. no video, no nothing. Right? Right? Nothing to come back. Yeah, like, true. If you didn't yeah, witness it yourself, yeah. it didn't happen. Yeah. It yeah, didn't happen. Straight up. But, uh, uh, no, I mean, those are, those are great times. I mean, I learned so much. I'll, I'll leave you with this. The best training for me, at least for me being mayor, were the lessons I learned at the Impulse. I shook a lot of hands. I had to remember a lot of names. 
met a lot of people, and every now and then I had to throw somebody out. In the mayor's office, I met a lot of people. I shook a lot of hands. I had to remember a few folks. And every now and then, I had to throw somebody out my throw office. Throw some people yeah. out. <laughs> and that was, that was my training. I show you, man. man. Living life, man. That's the best training. <laughs> well, you got to bring them all with you. Yeah, true. You know, bring, bring your full self. If you haven't gotten your tickets, get them. Uh, TRPE weekend, August 26th, August 27th. Next weekend, we'll be seven days away now. Yes. Six days away, seven days away. OfficialTRPE.com. Events tab. Thank you for Mr. Nutter. My man. My man. Thank you. You got anything else? Thank you, I got nothing else, man. CRPE, right. Chad, Matt, Michael A. Nutter. We are Big signing Daniel. off. We's out. Peace. <laughs> Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.